0: Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the contents in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. Today on Catholic Baltimore, we're talking with
1: daughter of St. Paul, Sister Rose Picotti. Sister Rose Picotti is a media literacy education specialist and the founding director of the Pauline Center for Media Studies in Los Angeles. Rose is an award-winning author and film journalist for The National Catholic Reporter, St. Anthony Messenger, and author of several books on film and scripture. Her most recent books are Martin Sheen, Pilgrim on the Way, and The Way, A Cinematic Film Guide. She has also served on the Cygnus juries at Venice, Berlin, and Locarno. Cygnus is the World Catholic Association for Communication, bringing together radio, television, cinema, video, media education, internet, and new technology professionals. Quite a group. Sister Rose's book on Corita Kent was just published, and she's writing one on St. Hildegard of Bingen. Rose's most recently hosted the award-winning TCM series Condemned that looked at films condemned by the Legion of Decency between 1933 and 1965 and introduced two films at the TCM Classic Film Festival in Hollywood. I think one of those condemned films was Singing in the Rain, which was rated O because of a suggestive dance sequence. So it's an interesting thing there. Just this week, she re- received a Lifetime Achievement Gabriel Award from the Catholic Academy of Communication Arts Professionals at the 2017 Cygnus World Congress in Quebec. We chatted with Sister Rose at the Cygnus World Conference and Catholic Media Conference in Canada. Welcome to the show.
2: Oh, thanks, Chris. It's nice to be here. To start with, how'd you, how did you end up interested in film and connected to Hollywood? And what what well, brought you there? It was media literacy education. It's part of our charism is not only to to communicate the word but also to especially to teach young people or those who work with young people how to be critical thinkers regarding their media consumption and it doesn't mean to be negative about the media it means to you know be aware to analyze to evaluate to be able to create media and then and then to act you know responsibly regarding mm-hmm. media and then to be involved in the whole media process as right. a consumer so that's in our constitutions I got very interested in that back around 1990, and then I asked to go for a master's degree, which I did in England, because at that time, even now we don't have any place in the U.S. that gives that degree in a school of education. When I came back, you know, I just, one thing led to another, and it was through this Catholic communicators organization, and and then another priest who was writing a book on scripture and film, and I got involved in editing that with him, and then became a co-author with him. So, got to Hollywood in 2002, and then a few months later, got a call from St. Anthony Messenger, and their film reviewer was retiring after 40 years. They said, What do you think? Would you like to do it? And I said, Sure. And Father Pat McCluskey says, Don't you want to think about it? I said, I just did. I just did. <laughs> but it's, so, I mean, the,
1: the media and is just such a, an important part of the work of the Daughters of Saint Paul. It's, it's really it very important. Why is why is it so important for your order to be involved in media?
2: We were founded to do this. So our Father uh, Blessed James Alberione started us in 1915 because at the time in Italy, you know, there was all this anti. Catholic Church, the Masons were on the rise, and that's all changed now, But it and a lot of people had stopped going to Mass, and he mm-hmm. said, the way we're going to get people to return to the sacraments isn't by yelling at them or doing whatever, um, it's going to be through the good press, mm-hmm. you know, by, by publishing good books, and mm-hmm. especially the scriptures. He saw a New Testament or a Bible in every home way before, you know, the church was even doing
1: that. Mm-hmm.
2: And so he gathered together priests for one year in 1914, and then he started the Sisters. And, you know, we were founded without a habit, but once he started applying for papal approval, we had to put on a habit, habit. and we had to live in a convent, and we had to do Uh all this stuff. So he was very much ahead of everything that was to come after. By the time he died in 19... um, Seventy-one. I was already in the community. Mm-hmm. He had founded ten religious institutes and congregations, mm-hmm. covering almost every need in the church, every spiritual need in the church. In addition to a lay organization, mm-hmm. you know,
1: and you're known throughout are. the world, throughout the country, of course, by your blue and distinctive blue and white habit, yeah. and the Pauline books and media stores, That's which is right. if again, if you're talking about putting information in front of people in an accessible way that's a great way to do it so that there are options for them to buy good oh sure and And
2: we're and we try to be in places where people can you know either walk in you know especially like manhattan or they can drive to that they know we're there but we're we're online too we Mm -hmm. have a huge web presence you know between the individual sisters or, you know, the community itself. That's great. In the publishing house.
1: Yeah. So you've gotten to meet and talk with lots of actors and, and directors. Oh, I yeah. love I love following you on Facebook and seeing your red carpet stuff. Uh, it's great. Who's your favorite interview and, and why?
2: Okay, my favorite interview was with, um, and now I'm going to blank on his name, the writer of The Perfect Storm.
1: Okay, I don't remember it either. Oh,
2: come on. Maybe it'll come to me. But it'll come back. I just interviewed Harry Connick Jr. though in February. And it's going to be the cover story for uh, the September issue of St. Anthony Messenger. But I went on Facebook a couple nights before and I said to people, So I'm going to interview Harry Connick Jr. What should I ask him? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when I met with him, and I told him what I had done. I said, you now have two marriage proposals and somebody else wants your phone number. <laughs> he started laughing. And I said, it wasn't very helpful to me. And he goes, me either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. He's been married for 27 years, yeah, there happily. You. So That's great. Uh, yeah, so um, Sebastian Younger. Sebastian Younger. Best interview ever. Unfortunately, it was only a one camera, so they didn't have me, but I got to ask him questions. He wrote, he did the perfect storm. He Mm. wrote the book, but then he made two incredible documentaries about the war in Afghanistan called uh, Corngal and Restrepo. Restrepo came first. And, you know, I thought, I thought, is this guy a pacifist? You know, what's he really saying and he's so—he's not. I don't think he's a believer, but he's worked with Catholics, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, um, Timothy, and I'm going to blank on his name too. But really great people. He's mm-hmm. worked with them. But uh, he's so thoughtful and so caring about humanity. And he's—and about this thing called moral injury that these soldiers come back with because they have to kill children. Mm-hmm. That's. A, I mean, it's this is a horrible situation that that our veterans are faced are facing. And you know, and he said, "No, I'm not a pacifist, but I believe that violence should only be be used if it relieves suffering." Okay. And so far, that's not real evident. Mm-hmm. That so there's a moral
1: dimension to to film, much. to to documentaries. And oh, all and that. you
2: know what? In these directors, if you ask them questions, you know that dr- draw them out about their deeper their deeper human beliefs. You know, whatever's. Really human is truly of the gospel. Mm -hmm. They will, it's there, it's Mm -hmm. there. There's so much um, good coming out of Hollywood, Um, but some people, you know, they have these old memories, and Mm -hmm. and there is, yeah, there's junk too.
1: There's a lot of garbage. Yeah, yeah,
2: Yeah. but you know, I get to pick and choose. Yeah, and to tell you the truth, I don't want to go to stuff that's just meaningless. You know, you can get a review of that anywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd rather go to stuff that's more interesting. Yeah,
1: stuff that's uplifting. Like
2: Wonder Woman.
1: Wonder Woman. There you go. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how you ended up on a game show or <laughs> two. Uh, but the one I'm thinking of is One Versus 100 with Bob Saget. How'd you do on that show, first of all? But what kind of impact does it make when a, a religious sister in habit appears on a, on a major network TV show?
2: You know, that was one of the really greatest experiences I've had in in the whole time I fifteen years I've been in Los Angeles. And so it, some producer, it's about the producers. They're the mm-hmm. ones who have to pull everything together. So a producer called us producer that knew knew me and she said, you know, we want somebody from a nonprofit. What do you think about a nun? He goes, oh I know Sister Rose. So they called me, I said, hey, why not? And they were filming it right at Culver City Studios, which I could practically walk to. So um, the It was so much fun. Well, the first time I was a celebrity, I had my own dressing room. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they have all these rules and regulations about game shows. So you you couldn't even have a book in there. You're waiting hours. You know, Hollywood is all about hurry up and wait. So I was, thank God they had craft services. (laughs) You see a snack, snack, snack. But there's nothing else to do. So, um, but the second time they had me back then i was with the mob cuz uh-huh. that was the mob versus 100 right. then they streamlined it uh, the next two couple of seasons but it was so much fun being just with ordinary regular people and i i didn't know how to play 21 right mm-hmm. so there's this group from this jewish cemetery this three people made it into the mob and they brought all their kosher vegetables and snacks and then they they said sister you want to play 21 i said i don't know how to play so hours we sat there playing 21 it was hilarious but that's it was great. you create a kind of community yeah. when you're locked and in and it's like a great, that. it's a
1: very powerful witness for you oh, to be there
2: oh they loved it and i loved meeting them
1: that's great but
2: um you know the ink spots do you remember that mm-hmm. the, the, the wop group yeah, right yeah. so i met a nephew of one of them okay who was in the mob uh, you just you meet really interesting people and bob Saget, though he was so funny that's and good. he was he was great to play off he was one time he was talking with the contestant and it was getting a little bit you know, think it's you know, family show well, so racy, I, yeah. But I was the only one mic in the whole of the whole mob of a hundred <laughs> people. So I said, Hello, family show. <laughs> and he goes, you know, he, he looks really sheepishly back at me and, and everybody just cracks up. He just loved it. That was fun. That's great. Yeah.
1: Well, after the break we're gonna talk some more with Sister Rose Picati about looking at films through a spiritual lens. This is Chris Gunty and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore.
3: Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Sister Mary Alice Chinnaworth, a former Superior General of the Baltimore-based oblate Sisters of Providence, who overcame racial discrimination in her pursuit of a religious vocation, died June 21st. innocent Victoria Chinnaworth in Rock Island, Illinois, Sister Alice was the daughter of an African-American shoemaker and a German-American mother. She knew she was called to become a religious sister when she was a four-year-old kindergarten student at a Catholic school staffed by the Sisters of Charity of the Blessed Virgin Mary in her home state. But when Sister Alice tried to join the order as a young woman, she was informed that it did not accept women of color. Suddenly, my world of joy and peace and love became a frightening vacuum in which my lifelong dream was destroyed with nothing, it seemed, to take its place, Sister Alice wrote in a 2008 column in the Catholic Review. Yet, Christ's light never wavered, she said. After researching religious communities that would accept black women, Sister Alice traveled to Baltimore via train in 1936 to join the Oblate Sisters of Providence. Sister Alice served as a teacher at St. Pius V School in Harlem Park and St. Francis Academy in East Baltimore. She was is also the president of Mount Providence Junior College. A memorial mass will be offered at noon, July 16th, at the Mount Providence Chapel in Arbutus on what would have been Sister Alice's 100th birthday. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is George Matasek.
4: Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time. The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have the Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at Catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e Newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android. And follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today, in print and online, at CatholicReview.org. That's CatholicReview.org.
0: You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370WQLL. We're back and we're talking with Sister Rose Picotti,
1: a member of the, of the Daughters of St. Paul, a religious order whose whole charism, whose whole purpose is really to be involved with the media. So when you talk about seeing films through a spiritual lens, what do you mean by that?
2: It means that you go, when you look at a film, you have some a kind of criteria already set up in your head. And how you identify that is by what are your values? It's, You know, what do you believe in? What do you live by? Is it integrity, honesty, charity, love, hope, um, compassion, community, family? You know, actually, the values of Catholic social teaching feed Mm -hmm. perfectly into that. And you might not even be aware of it, but when you enjoy a movie, you're going to enjoy it because of the values that resonate with you. And if you don't like it, it's because something in it, it doesn't resolve itself or the way it resolves itself doesn't really resonate Mm -hmm. with, uh, with your values. And... After a while, it's like virtue, values turn into virtues, which mm-hmm. are habits of being, yeah. and and it just becomes second nature uh, to to looking at movies and looking for something more. Than so justice. it doesn't
1: have to be a religious film to have moral message or ethical messages like that. You can find that in Shawshank Redemption or oh. Wonder Woman or, or Cars Three. I mean, if if you're if you're if if they're well done,
2: you know, a story well told an authentically, uh, authentic story will have good human values. And if it's truly human, it's truly of the gospel. And if it's truly of the gospel, it will be truly human. So you get some of those, I'm going to call them what they are to me, preachy Christian movies coming out. And some of them may tell a, a good story, but whether or not it's told well is another mm-hmm. another question. And if it leads with a message rather than the story, you feel like you're in Sunday school, mm-hmm. rather than. It, it's like the director and the writer don't trust you to understand the story. I want to be trusted, mm-hmm. and if I'm watching a movie, and so I get invited to go to screenings and things like that, to some movies, and you know what? I I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. It's just more of the same, or it's about people who, who um, are mostly white, who you know, they never have a hardship. You know, everything is mm-hmm. their own personal, individual uh, journey. It's not the journey of a community, for example. We're community people. Mm-hmm. We really are. Our culture doesn't celebrate community as much as it celebrates the individual. And because of that, movies tend to... Follow that norm, to Celebrate
1: the individual rather than yeah. the community.
2: But boy, when you get a good community, like the Queen of Catway, that was a film oh, gosh, that came out. Oh, I love that movie. Wasn't that lovely? Yeah. And it was a celebration of, of this girl, but also her family and the... And the Pete. whole village. Though, they, I mean,
1: if and the you community run, center. Right. right? And, and so, community so the, center, first the, of all. you can tell a little bit about this. I just saw this fairly recently, but it, it's a, a young, uh, a group of young children who learn chess in Africa. Because
2: they're not going to school, they're street kids, basically, yeah. poor street kids.
1: And they and this one of them uh, just turns out to be a, a prodigy and goes on to win the championship. And it's and it's a little bit Disneyfied, you know, because it's it's all uh,
2: Disney bought it. Yeah, yeah, and and so it's it's a
1: little bit it's it's a little bit you know wrapped up very cleanly, but it's it's a wonderful program and it and it's based on a true story. So it is, and, and you and get and the sense that the, the community is, is very supportive of the what whole they're doing.
2: cast and crew for that everybody was african the director was from india i believe but yeah. maybe african-born but indian so what you get is and disney bought it you mm-hmm. know they didn't they didn't create it they bought it right. so that's also an investment in storytelling coming out of africa yeah. which we really need to pay attention to because those are deeply human stories but they also learn from us how to um objectify and do other things too because we started that
1: so let's talk about that a little bit you you've used your platform really to to lift things up the razzies which you know some people may know is like you know the raspberry you know the razzie awards have been traditionally given to to lousy movies you know not just not just movies that are not good for you but just movies that are poorly made or poorly done like like 50
2: shades of gray one hands down Last year, uh, when almost every Razzie that was to, in every category, yeah,
1: because it's just not a good story. It was story.
2: a horrible movie. Yeah, you know.
1: yeah, but well, you, I didn't but, see it. Though. <laughs> but your involvement has been to give a Razzie for a redeeming film. Yeah. So wh-
2: well, actually, how a Redeemer it goes to an actor.
1: An actor. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. And so, how does that? Why is it important to to honor these redeeming values? Because
2: in they're starting to make thoughtful choices about what they're going to be in. Okay. They're not just taking it for work. But they're taking it to because they really want to tell a, a compelling story in a mm-hmm. compelling way. Or to take a story about an ordinary person who does think something extraordinary happens to them, and they respond in an extraordinary way. Mm-hmm. So it's not about wealth. It's not about uh, anything like that. It's really about deeply human uh, issues and values that come to the fore, and heroism and courage and, and things like that. So... Yeah, that's what we—we um, we didn't have the Razzies this year because there was a funding issue, but we'll, we'll be back we'll next be year. We'll be back, yeah. And, you know, I have a feeling Mel Gibson would have been on the list mm-hmm. if we'd given a Razzie because of Hexhaw Ridge. Ridge,
1: which was an incredibly violent movie, a very powerful message, but—,
2: but You have to accept that with Mel, that he's yeah. going to string out people's entrails as much as he can. Yeah. But on the other hand— the other part of the story was even stronger, Mm. I thought. Yeah,
1: good. So here at the Cygnus World Conference that that we've been attending, uh, attendees saw Martin Scorsese's film Ah. Silence about Jesuits in 17th century Japan. You told me that you've seen that four times already, so you didn't sit through it yesterday, which was good because the chairs were really hard to sit on for two and a half hours. But what is it about movies such as Silence that, that bring eternal messages to audiences and give them something to think about?
2: That was a deeply human story because this Jesuit, you know, he had all the idealism in the world. He he was there with the Inquisitor of Japan, but he was like reading from a script. He hadn't internalized. He wasn't integrated really well. And as Martin Scorsese says in one of his interviews, he had to deny who he was as a Christian in order to become a Christian. Mm -hmm. That was like a letting go of what he thought his Christianity was to really embrace the following of Christ. Mm-hmm. And there there's something so compelling about that story. Some people just wrote it off well, just caved into the culture just to save his life. But you have to really watch the movie or read right. the book because he had to decide, do I step on an image that is not what it represents, it Christ, right? right? It's not what it represents, and save by five, five people. Mm-hmm. Or do I, you know, save myself, you know? Yeah. No, it...
1: And it's movies like that. I I felt kind of the paradox. same way about... Yeah, I, I felt kind of the same way about Hotel Rwanda. It was like, I really don't want to watch this movie, but I think I should watch this movie because of the uplifting message that comes about. But because of also the, the, the image of, of just how evil humans can be to each other at times. Silence was like that for me. It, I, it wasn't a movie I wanted to watch, but it's a movie I felt I needed to to be able to take in that message and think about it.
2: I had read Silence a few years ago. It's based on a novel by um, uh, Endo, Shizuko Endo. And I knew I had to. Wa- I was going to watch this movie no matter what. Mm-hmm. But as I watched it, I, my, I was with my sister, my younger sister. Um, you know, the lights went down and and she goes, "Wow, that's not going to be a crowd pleaser." No. <laughs> and I said, "Well, no," but I couldn't write about it for a week. I, w- oh. I was so profoundly moved on so many levels mm-hmm. because it's it's about one's really it's what one's concept of God, one's relationship with God, one's expectations of God, or what one thinks one knows about God, but doesn't really. No. Yeah. Yeah, has internalized it really well, or integrated that relationship with God really well. So that's always compelling to me because, you know, when this is my fiftieth anniversary, by the way, of entering the community, and I was three. I, <laughs> okay, no, just to yes. let you know. No, you know, I was a little older; I was in high school. But it, you know, that's a long journey to mm-hmm. get to. So if you're on a spiritual journey, if the spiritual life is important to you. Um, you make a retreat every year even if it's just for a couple of days you do something you do spiritual reading every day you see a movie like silence you get it mm-hmm. you get where he's at where he's young and and idealistic and and impractical and when he's talking to the inquisitor he's not really engaging in a conversation he's just talking at him with yeah. what he what he thinks he knows yeah and i've been through that you know
1: not until much later that you realize you don't so <laughs> you got to grow. Yeah.
2: You have to grow. And so he was forced to grow. Yeah.
1: And it's great when art can do that for us.
2: It's it's Martin Scorsese. When he accepted that award last night, mm-hmm. I posted it on Facebook, a two-minute accepted speech. I was deeply moved. And to see him at the dinner—were you present mm-hmm. for the dinner? Mm-hmm. He was there with his wife, and and it was just beautiful, and he— he looked so deeply at peace at dinner last night. I think he had a, I heard that he thoroughly enjoyed being with the Catholic communicators group. And, you know, this is the first time the church has ever recognized what he's done. And if you look at any movie he's made, there are Catholic themes, some more explicitly than others. To have that recognized, you know, it's not just what, what we receive. It's also what we give Yeah, as communicators. So.
1: Good. Well, thank you so much for being with us. We've been talking with Daughter of St. Paul Sister Rose Picotti about films and actors and Hollywood and game shows and all of that and, and, your, and your 50th anniversary in professed life. So thank you so much for being with us oh, today. Oh, thanks, Chris. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Baltimore.